This is The Nature of Invisible Things with your host, Erin Kelly. Stories and conversations exploring the magic, mysticism, and creativity of the road less traveled. Hello, friend. I am so glad you're here. It's Erin Kelly, and this is The Nature of Invisible Things, Season 1, Episode 1. And today I am joined by the incredible Samar Jade. I am going to read their bio to you as they sent it to me. And it says, I am Samar Jade, they, them, and my identities are Black, fat, gender expansive, former academic, teacher, magician, singer, writer, creative parent, friend, and romantic partner. These collectively inform my work as an ensoulment doula. An ensoulment doula is one who walks alongside you as you do the work to birth yourself. I am with you as you call your soul to yourself and provide support during the darkened areas of that journey to claim your power. I assist you in the discovery of how to nurture that which is ready to be witnessed. I am here as an oracle, as a mirror, to help you process your expansion. You are in charge of your remembering process, and I am here to aid in your rebirthing. Yeah, and I have had the experience of sitting with Samar in a few different containers now, and it is a truly expansive, loving experience. And I you'll hear me when we get into our conversation describe a little bit in a little bit more detail, like what that was like. And I have so much love and respect for this human being. And I think you're really going to enjoy this episode. We talk about a variety of different things. We we start out, you know, exploring uh the mystical nature of Capricorn, actually, which I love, and you'll understand in a little bit when we get into it of like why that is important to this episode and also like what it was like to grow up as uh, emotional folk, you know, folks that experience big emotions and what that means as femme-bodied people and really how that kind of conditioning, whether it's a direct experience or just implied because it's a commonly held belief, like how that impacted our self-concept. And, you know, the other thing that we really got into was what it's like to expand oneself, like how these expansive containers that we have both participated in primarily one, the magician's table. And I'll actually link to that uh, in the show notes as well, because I think that's, we talk about it so much. And I, you know, like I said, in the first or episode zero, so many of the folks that you're going to meet constellate around the magician's table. So I, I might as well just go ahead and link it. And, um, you know, what it feels like to expand into the fullness of yourself and how, you know, that sounds good, but the actual experience of that can sometimes be uncomfortable and and what that means. And we also talk about the importance of community and we get into what it is like to create a spiritually led business in late stage capitalism and how Samar and their work 
continues to be and exist in resistance to capitalism, systems of oppression, and white supremacy. So let's get into it. Welcome, Samar, to the Nature of Invisible Things. I am so glad you are here. Um, Erin, I am very, very, very grateful to be here. I feel um, super buzzy being on your uh, on your podcast. It just feels uh, it feels very special to me. So thank you for inviting me. I am so thrilled, so thrilled. I enjoy our conversations both uh, on Letting Chiron Sing, your podcast, as well as the conversations we have in other containers. And for listeners, I met Samar in September in Vulture Coven, which listeners already now are familiar with the name Britton LaRue. I told them at the beginning, they're going to hear that a lot because Britton is the constellator of a lot of my magical relationships and that's one of her specialties actually you know is facilitating those so we met in vulture coven and i had just such a wonderful experience in the reading that i received from you and i i really just experienced your presence as medicine as medicine mm-hmm. and it just is naturally kind of just flows in from this place of love and it allows me to fully embody like even more of my love and I feel like I've been able to more directly share love with the people in my orbit because of the modeling of that behavior and it's it's so natural, like it's not forced or it's not like it just flows is all I can say. And that compassionate and fierce fierceness, like and it's not like all um, it's not without teeth, if you know what I mean, in like a good way, like in a beautiful way, like some of the the questions that you have posed to me in in session are they require action. Like they require like a response in, in the most loving way. And that's really powerful, really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. That's that's information because, uh, you know, I, as you know, being a magical mystical person and that being a part of the the work that you do and put out in the world, um, you know certain things about yourself, but it's always nice to be able to hear that affirmation come back to you. Um, so thank you. My pleasure. And I also have had the experience of working with Samar on some ancestral work. And so if you'd like to hear more about that, Samar has a podcast, uh, Letting Chiron Sing, and there's an episode that you can go check out where we talk about that, among many other things. 
And so wonderful. And so, yeah, today I would love, I, this is a question I I'm asking everyone is like how you would describe yourself in this moment. And if you would share your, your big three with folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I am Samara Jade. I am a queer gender expansive black um, disabled mother and lover and human. Um, I am an insolment doula, insolment. And so my work centers the, uh, the support of people going through um, transitions or uh existing in in the liminal spaces between the transition, you know, um, the threshold and uh, um, my big three, um, which I thought was really boring. um, Or I used to say it was really boring, but it's not actually boring. I am a Capricorn, Capricorn sun rising and a moon in cancer. I was born under a full moon. Mm. So um, I'm a whole lot more mystical than I thought I was just looking at um, not even traditional astrology, but the uh, edible astrology, uh, pop astrology, mm-hmm. you know? I do. Yeah, I would agree. I think Capricorn, Capricorns are deeply mystical, you know, and then, and, and I feel like this is my sense. And of course I don't have any Capricorn placements, so, you know, take it for what it's worth, but is that there is a intuitive knowing in the body as an instrument, like Jessica Dore has this wonderful saying that when we're born, we're all given a little plot of earth and that's our body. And to mm-hmm. me, it's, it's, we have this plot of earth that is also an instrument for how we move through the world and how we, uh, it's, it contains information that feeds our intuitive knowing, you know? And I, so I think Capricorn really plugged into that. And then of course, Cancer Moon, I mean, feeling of all feelings, Queen of Cups. I know, just lots of feelings um and that was not always fun growing up the the lots of feelings part um because I grew up in a very um unemotional household with with a lot of unemotional adults in my like immediate family and so um, here I am being this very emotional, mystical child and then having um, also being autistic and not being diagnosed. So the uh, just sensory overloads as well. And um, as a result, there was a lot of, uh, oh, um you're really emotional. And so being emotional means that you're also unintelligent because 
obviously if you uh, are emotional, you express your emotions, you are not an intelligent person because thank you, turn of the century, fat de siècle, um, BS psychology of Sigmund Freud mm-hmm. and the hysterical woman. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Well, that's another but, conversation. I know. I I also, uh, Pisces rising. So uh, one big feeling walking around most of the time. <laughs> and uh, so I, I relate. Uh, my progressed moon is in cancer right now too. So uh, there's tears most days you know, for various reasons. I saw a squirrel eat a mushroom in front of me the other day and it just made me cry because it was so poetic. But yeah, so I'm curious. And too, like hearing that, hearing that conditioning about the, or or whether it's said or just implied because it's a commonly held belief that emotional folks aren't intelligent, probably bugged the shit out of the Capricorn parts of yourself. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Cause it was like, um, are you serious? Like, and so there, there was always this complex of, of for me growing up of like, well, I guess I'm not very smart. So let me do, you know, um, and so, uh, you know, when you grow up, there are those kinds of things inform a personality that you um, either take on or you don't. And I took that on. And so um, a lot of my early, like my late twenties, early thirties, so hello Saturn return was um, deconstructing and um, either alchemizing or putting that stuff away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What a gift and hard, no doubt. But like to go through that at that age, I think too is is a gift like for me my uh my processing of that happened much later past the mm. Saturn return and when I started hitting those mid midlife transits Pluto square Pluto Neptune square Ooh. Neptune that was uh that was when it when it hit for me the processing of those of those uh letting go of that conditioning or starting to unravel that knot and and for me, a lot of my patterning was wrapped up in codependence. And that might be like why it took so long. But oh gosh, if I could have had that knowledge at 30, I just think think of where I'd be now. But I'm here, so that's okay. Well, listen now. <laughs> I am barely 38 and I'm still, you know, I feel like so there's, you know, of course you you understand there's just the level of like. Uh, mental gnosis Mm -hmm. of like oh this needs to go and then the physical gnosis and that is the hard part oh yeah like you know like we can know things all day but the you know um the physical knowing and adjustment of that was definitely um it take that takes a long time. Mm-hmm. That takes a whole long time, and I I do think though that there's something to our like mid to late thirties where um, our bodies change as femme bodied people or 
um, female bodied people where um, as hormones begin to change and adjust, um, there's a different way that we engage with our body than we would have earlier. Mm. So while the um, process of knowing started happening around my Saturn return for mentally, I wouldn't say that it was, it's only now become more settled physically. Yeah. So that's hard. It is. How do you, how do you make space for big emotions on a day-to-day basis or as part of your practice? Ask more questions and I'm much more curious um, than I used to be. Uh, Like actually, yeah, yesterday, this is, uh, this is interesting that this is coming up. I had a, a moment uh, where I was triggered, you know, talking about codependency, you know, um, I was triggered in my body by something that um, I had forgotten to uh, um, make a payment for my child's daycare. And so like the catastrophizing of my mind was like, oh my God, you are a terrible human. You have ruined everything. You are are awful. And so my, um, I allowed my brain to like go through that and go through my body. And um, instead of pushing it down or pushing it away or um, trying to make it something. And as a result, I was able to arrive to the root a lot quicker than I had before. But that is hard. It is. It is. Yeah. And that's what, that's why I was curious because I think, um, and I think that's like part of like letting it run its course, because if we stop it, like in the moment or try to suppress it or try to like that, it still has to run its course, you know, Mm -hmm. it still has to move through. And so, yeah, having that um, awareness to let it move through and it just kind of is what it is in the moment and then being able to create the either the reframing or the container around the processing of it post that's that's a real gift for sure and you know do you think your capacity clearly your capacity to feel i'm assuming has been a big part of insolment doula yeah and how that oh yeah how that came to be. I would love anything you'd like to share around that path that brought you to, because Insolment Doula is like in the last year or so, correct? Or Oh, yes. It's yes, formation. Like, mm-hmm. um, uh, Insolment Doula's birthday is um, May 23rd, 2023. So um, it gets a birthday. And I love that it's also a Gemini. Mm-hmm. Um, so a little trickster energy. Actually, it's so this is funny. I'm gonna tell you um it's big three because I think yeah. that this is important. Um and Soulmate Dula's big three is Gemini Sun, Cancer Moon, and Scorpio Rising. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I yeah. did say it had teeth. 
See, see, and it does. But they're 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 teeth that are you know. There's it's loving, loving teeth. Mm-hmm. It's it's a loving little like nip at the back of the the neck when you're like, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but you know, and so what do I? So I went through TMT and um, uh, the magician's table for those of you listening. And um, I got out of that and I was like, whoa, like it just kind of blew, um, it blew me wide open in a way that I didn't want to pull it back in again. You know, I, uh, you know, cause usually, or sometimes you'll, you'll, you'll be in containers or you'll have experiences where it'll blow you wide open and then you'll like put yourself back in, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, let me put this one back in, you know? Um, but I did, I, that was really the first time I, I that, that I'd experienced that at that level. And I just said, oh no. I love, um, I love being this expansive. And so um, I was looking at my my life. I mean, you know, I'm in this PhD program for ethnomusicology, and and um, I'm asking myself, is where am I allowed to be this expansive? Now that I'm out of that container, where can that be in real life? And um, it was scary because I realized um, I needed to create that. It wasn't like something that I could like, oh, let me clock into this job, you know, at a nine to five. Um, And I, you know, I've been, I've been offering tarot readings and adding astrology to it. But I remember um feeling in the beginning of TMT I was like god I'm not like a normal like tarot reader you know like the tarot was almost like a a guide for me to ask questions relatable questions to help people um see themselves better mm-hmm. you know and I said is it weird that I want to call them like guidance readings and like you know um plus adding this element of like mediumship and being able to you know be in conversation with you know the other side um or sides depending on you know what your beliefs are and I remember talking to my friend and I was like I I just what is this who like what how do I how do I like put this into a package that that is um, still going to be expansive, but also relate what I'm doing in some way. And uh, my friend said, well, you're a doula. Like a doula is someone who like supports people, um, especially through like birth, through those big transitions, being um, like standing in the gap between portals. And I said, yeah, but like what, kind of doula because my previous experience had been 
with birth doulas. I, I used one for both of my um, births, which if you are a birthing person, I highly recommend you um, finding a birth doula that um, you love and vibe with because your experience in birth will be 10 times more mag magnificent. Um, but they said, well, you are an installment doula. And I was like, installment? Because who uses that kind of wording? Right. You know, like who talks, who talks like that? Um, I gotta Google that, <laughs> you know? Um, but after I Googled and I, I was like, well, yeah, it's the process of like helping people to embody their souls mm. you know it's how i i've said it before in some of my readings that you know a lot of times we abandon our connection to our soul and so the further it sort of moves away from us um the less we're able to hear those whispers of intuition and so it's the process of bringing that back and allowing your body to feel safe to embody the soul. You know, it's not the soul feeling safe. This, the soul is going to, the soul wants to be here in the body. You know, that's the whole point of us coming down or coming wherever, you know, um, into these bodies is we, we wanted to be here, but it's the body being like, Oh, the soul is a lot, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. think about just the magnificence of our souls inhabiting our like little fleshy bags of meat <laughs> and bone, you yeah. know, like that's, that's kind of insane. That's wild, mm -hmm. you know, and here we are awkward little human beings you know we come in pooping ourselves we go out pooping ourselves like you made me just think of like the impermanence of the human body and the permanence of the soul and how there's just a natural uh they're connected but the temporally just thinking about time the just such a mm -hmm. big difference between the two and if we accumulate life after life and we come in at a soul level, having that knowledge, even if we can't remember it consciously, just the magnitude of that being connected to this instrument. Yeah. It's a bit of a shock to the system, perhaps. <laughs> Can you imagine what like the body of like, who's a wonderful, delicious person who is um, not on the earth as we know it. Yeah. Even like uh, like David Bowie. Mm, yeah, good one. You know, imagine how his body felt holding all of that creativity. Or Prince. Oh my yeah. gosh, Prince's body. And his body was little. He was a little man. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He was a little bitty something, you know? Like that is, um, 
that's a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's interesting. Like I, I always connected with, because I think of the Pisces, I always connected with the soul and the outside of connecting, staying connected to the body was hard. Like I lived my life from the neck up Mm -hmm. until my mid thirties until around the age of mm-hmm. 34. See? Yeah. And yes. I, it was, it was, t- and even then I still had more, that was like just what you were saying before about like the awareness and then the practice of actually being embodied and every day, mm-hmm. like descending into the body or staying descended, especially under times of stress. When I have that, Ooh, I can check out real fast, <laughs> you know, like, where are you? Um, not here. Yeah. My, uh, my yeah. partner lovingly reflects to me like, hello. Cause I, and I just, you know, tend, tend to zone out a little bit, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's fascinating. And what, what has been the biggest lesson or challenge that you have experienced or learned like throughout this process of, of becoming insolment doula? in its current form that is a juicy Mm -hmm. juicy question and you know i uh, just allowing that to land in my body i feel my toes vibrating and buzzing and i think uh, the first word that comes to mind is groundedness but actually the ground like being a part of um feeling and understanding that i am i have been a part of the the cycle of the world you know yeah we have been yeah that's um who knows like i may have been a tree at some point somewhere you know that was digested through the mycelium and, you know, came into something else that was ingested that, you know what I mean? I do. But I, I, I have felt much more um, alive in that way, um, which my Capricorn, um, what do you call it? A, uh, um skepticism has been like oh that is so woo woo mm-hmm. you know? I know you know yeah. you know but uh it's been um this has felt the most I felt the most at home in myself and who I am than I ever have and um there is, of course, there are maybe fears that bubble up, but they don't take hold and they don't take root. And um, that's just a product of really, truly living my my song out loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that I was thinking about, too, when you mentioned the 
when you were in the PhD program and had gone through the magician's table and had this expansiveness that you didn't want to put everything back into the place from which it came. And I wonder if, what was it like to, was it uncomfortable just to allow it to be as expansive as it was at the time? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That was, um, you know, I think like we, t- I've talked about the magician's table being transformative, but one aspect of transformation that we do not talk about is how um, just you can feel scrambled for a bit mm-hmm. before things come together. So there was a, um, I mean, it's like the chrysalis like, you know, your goo on the inside. So when <laughs> I left the, the magician's table, I was goo, you know? Yeah. Um, and I can't imagine, I mean, that, pro- that it's like, what form is this? What, what is this supposed to, is this form? And, you know, I love building things. I love making things. I love, you know, uh, creating. Um, and so, just allowing myself to be formless for a moment that Saturn and Pisces, mm-hmm. you know, allowing it to be formless or not being able to see the, even if there was a form that, that, that the fog was so thick that I couldn't see it. Yeah. You know, the nature of invisible things, perhaps. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> Um, yes, Erin. Mm-hmm. Yes, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I am curious, and I know this because I've, I've worked with you. So I'm going to maybe ask this question a little differently than I would someone else. But how do you relate your work to anti-capitalist, decolonial type of themes? And uh yeah, dismantling of patriarchy and oppressive systems like white supremacy culture. Well, first of all, I hate all of them with a passion. <laughs> yeah. I hate all of them. And, you know, um, something that I've learned in this journey is like the more I embody myself, the more I live myself out loud, the more I um, hold myself accountable in the ways that I need to, but also to love every part of me in every point of the at every point of the journey. Um, the more I understood the the phrase "your existence is resistance," yeah, you know. And so um, my, so in Soulmate Doula, um, and it's very difficult, I will say, being a, like having a quote unquote mystical business and um, ask, ma- making sure that capitalism doesn't suck you in mm-hmm. and Capitalism comes from this fear of scarcity. 
complete scarcity. And um, I've never had a lot. I grew up very, very like impoverished, you know, um, and I've never had a lot since then. Um, but I've always, I've always had been taken care of. I've always been taken care of. And um, in thinking of like a, in a communal mindset, you know, my community has taken care of me. I've taken care of my community and there's a cycle there of, you know, regeneration. And so that's what my business model is. That's the reminder for me is um, that whatever I put forth into the world, it needs to be nourishing and regenerative. It needs to be able to decompose and give back, you know, in some way. And so uh, that means that um, I can't look at what everyone else is offering mm -hmm. and the offerings that drop down to me and ask to be, you know, um, channeled through me. I have to listen to them. I have to, and I have to listen to them no matter what I might feel, you know, um, like, uh, something as very, as simple as, um, changing my pricing for my reading so that, um, people are able to pay what, they are able to pay, you know? Um, and so if you can pay more, that allows for, you know, um, padding for people that can't pay more. Mm -hmm. That allows for people, you know, because I do offer um, like a free reading to someone a, a month if I can. And so if that cycle continues, there's there's enough. There's enough. And so... Um, my thought process has been not, um, I got to make as much money as possible, but, um, I have enough and I just, I want enough and I want the people in my containers to feel full, you know? Yeah, that's really beautiful. So, Thanks. It's uh, that capitalism. It will get you every time. Oh, though. I know. I'm 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 constantly working through a lot around it myself, and it's rude. Yeah, and it's it's insidious. It's um, mm -hmm. it's got such a stronghold on. Oh, I'm I'm just gonna speak for myself on me. Like there will be times I catch myself like in a pattern of thought or in a pattern of productivity where I'm, I'm done for the day. Like I'm okay. Like I can stop. Mm -hmm. And it's just this idea of like, I am so can, it can be so ingrained that I extract from myself. <laughs> like I, I'm so used to being in this position of being extracted from like in the corporate structure, you know, um, you are a corporate babe. I know. I'm recovering. 
And for a long time, thank you for actually mentioning that. It's something that I I'm trying to verbalize for myself now is just like for a long time, I was like, put it, throw it out in the trash. Everything from that part of my life needs to be burned to the ground. And I'm realizing actually there's some, there's some wisdom there and I don't need to put it out on the curb with everything else. And so I'm, I'm in process of, I don't want to use the word reclamation because that's not right. I'm in the process of accepting that as, as necessary, you know, Mm -hmm. I tend to swing from extremes from time to time, like, you know, and I wanted to be a girl boss. So I was kind of twisted and messed up in some of that stuff. And it's, it's cringy and uncomfortable to look at, (laughs) I will say. Listen, I know, but I mean, I had a very similar, like, I wasn't necessarily in corporate, but I was, um, that uh, mentality is also in the opera world to an extent. Mm, Yes. It's very much glorified. I mean, opera is probably so bought into capitalism. Um, I don't, I, I hope it can be saved, but I'm not sure. Um, and so there is, um, you, like, I thought of myself as a singer, as a product. Wow. Like my body is my instrument. I'm a product. So I need to be able to be whatever they want me to be. And even if people say, oh no, you need to like, you know, be your own singer, but they all say that. But they're not doing that for the most part. Most people in that business don't have the luxury to actually be as expansive as they are. They're not allowed. They're not allowed to be. You have to play. You have to be able to be picked up, plugged into a role, and then, you know, off to the next gig. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So I am. Um, Oh, Aaron, I understand, you know, it reminds me of that uh, meme from social media that where it's like society says, be yourself. And then it's like, no, not like that. (laughs) It's like, not like that, not like that. Like we, like we want you to, so we can categorize you and put you in a, in a label so we can know how to control and extract. Yeah. That's kind of how I think about it. And I look back and I realize, like, because uh, as I ascended in my career, which was awesome, I, I got to be a mentor for a lot of people, but I can also see how I played a part in the commodification of those humans. And yes, I I was part of the system and I'm like, what? Like, it's a little... It's a little, yeah, it's uncomfortable, but it's part of the mm-hmm. healing process to like, look at that and just see and uh, trying to hold it with compassion as, as much as possible. And then it's also, I think too, something that you brought up about, you know, spiritual business, we still need to be compensated and put food on the table. One of my teachers from Portland school of astrology used to say, you know, they used to burn witches, but under capitalism, they starve them. And it hit home. Yeah. Like it was, it was shook me a bit because 
yeah, they don't, they don't burn you anymore. They just starve you out. And it's like, yeah, Yeah. that's, that's rough. And it's like, how do we, how do we continue to operate within the ethics and standards and integrity that we want to, and yet at the same time, uh, put food on the table and have the needs met, you know? I am just still like, woof. Yeah. They starve you. And it's true. Gee. And like and when I think of witch, like it's really not just like, you know, well, someone who practices magic, right. but it's someone who's like living in their magic. Yeah. Or it's someone who is not conforming to the standard of the day. And so I think too, like, um, you know, it stems from our, I think our evolutionary behavior of needing to stay with our people, because if you get left behind, there's less safety and nobody wants to be outside the group, you know? And I think this, oh yeah, so much is coming up around that. Some, some, some challenging feelings just around like the way that we view our houseless population and how it's, there's a, a role there in, yeah, do, do as we say, or this is what you're looking at. And it's, it's very confronting and kind of scary. So I don't know why this took this turn, but like, let's bring it, but I no, think it's, it's the reality, right. Of mm-hmm. some of the ways that these, the insidiousness of it, you know, you know, I, oh, I'm thinking, you know, about this idea of, uh, I, there's this quote that I heard, you you are always a villain in someone else's story. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and you were speaking about, like, uh, participating in the com- modification of other humans. And... Um, acknowledging the cringiness, acknowledging how difficult it is to uh, (laughs) sit with at some point you have, you are, you will cause harm. Mm -hmm. And we have talked about this before. We have. You know, um, and what does it mean to live and exist um, with that, not in spite of, not despite of, with that fact, living with the paradox, mm-hmm. you know? And that's why I love when, I love the trickster archetype more and more for more reasons, because I think of the ability to like live in both worlds or to move like as like a secret agent almost, or I am in the world. What is it? I am in the world, but I'm not of the world. And, and for a long time, that's how I was able to think of it. It's like, there is no separation between the magical and the mundane. We just perceive one. And so the more, but it's scary. It's scary to show up in, if you have a magical part of your life. Like I kept mine separate for a long time. When I did magician's table, the first time I used the name Vespertine, which a lot of people will see like on certain things. Like I was, that was my name. That was my, my chosen name for my magical life. And I felt like I had to separate it from Aaron Kelly because Aaron Kelly 
was a professional. Mm, oh. oh, yeah. So there's been a lot. And so I think that's that's some of the challenges too, that for folks on the path, there's there's can be such a longing and a yearning and a desire to serve and to be in this spiritual place of communion and authenticity. And yet at the same time, there's there's danger in that and perception of danger. And that's why like community, community is important. And that's why I think the magician's table is like such a beautiful thing. And other containers like even digital communities like letting Chiron sing. Yeah. Yeah. It's that we have to be in communion with others to see ourselves reflected back Mm-hmm. to ourselves and um when we're in isolation it's very easy to convince yourself that and not just in community with like-minded people i mean like actual community like yes people that you may not get along with community doesn't mean that you get along with everyone you know very true community means that you are like existing and working and being together you know but having that sort of tension um you know I always I I remember I think my grandmother said this about how like the things that you don't like in other people are the things that you don't like in yourself yeah yeah and um every time I have a very like visceral or like I always, I like have to stop myself, like pull myself back and be like, okay, so what don't I actually like about this? And uh, what part of that is in me? You know, mm-hmm. but if we don't have, if we're not in the community, if we're just surrounding ourselves with the algorithm of, you know, sameness, homogeneity. No, that's a good point. And I, I do tend to, coalesce around like-minded people like that's definitely like my comfort zone and and I know that there's you know there's more out there I don't I'm gonna sit with that personally for a little bit while longer because I think that's that's important it's something oh that's incredibly important yeah yeah because I you need that for like you also need those kinds of like uh, communities so that you're able to grow in a more vulnerable mm-hmm. way, you know, and sometimes, or a lot of times actually, that growth can't happen in the most expansive way unless we're in, you know, communities, containers where um, we feel safe and brave enough to do that. Yeah. Well, and two, it's like, it makes me think of in astrology, the aspects, like the trine aspect is harmonious and it flows, but it's easy. There's no effort involved. So sometimes it's, it's, I, it can be somewhat complacent because things are just kind of what they are, where the square inspires action. It's the contraction Mm -hmm. and expansion between the two that are coming at that 90 degree angle that causes us to make a change or to move. And so, yeah, Yeah. that's, if I think about, (laughs) I 
if I think about opposition and in square, you know, that's, that's, I might approach other community that way. Because mm-hmm. sometimes we do need them trines though, honey. Oh, yes. Sometimes it is nice to relax into a trine. I feel like there's one, isn't there one coming soon? Probably. Coming up soon. I'm in such a different um, headspace right now, but yeah, there, there, uh, there's a few I know, um, coming up and then too, like there's, there's always those moments though. And I've got my eye on that Pluto conjunction on Saturday. So for mm. listeners, we're recording this on Thursday, January 18th. So <laughs> that's, that's uh, on my mind, but yeah, like there's always, there's always change. And that's what I love about astrology is like, we can, we can look at the big clock in the sky and kind of see what some of the themes are and yet invite in possibility for yes. what that could be and not necessarily attached to historically what has been interpreted by folks who are in positions of power. Yes, Aaron. Because, because I think a lot of those, I'm going to call it challenging. The people that are, they're challenging are people that have the most perhaps to lose Mm. when it changes, when the tide changes, you know, um, an astrologer in our orbit and someone who I have a a lot of respect for and has inspired some of my work, Gina Piccolo uh, had a Pluto and Aquarius um, post on Instagram yesterday. That was like, Pluto is like Pluto is palpable. Pluto is felt Pluto is coming, but it's coming for patriarchy. And Idlis was like, yes. And also, you know, that's. It's not gonna feel good. No, like, cause I, there are parts of me that are benefit and, and likely I won't know what they are until uh, some of them. Cause it's Pluto, right? Like mm-hmm. that brings up the hidden from the, from the bottom of the earth, from the inside, the buried, buried items from long ago. Yeah. That's, uh, that's gonna, um, that'll be great, but also not cute. No. Yeah. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. uh, but it, it also, it's necessary. It's necessary. That's what I keep, keep it reiterating. So as we begin to wrap up, I would love if you could talk about your digital community for folks and, you know, the dreams that you have for that or anything you'd like to share. And I will make sure to link everything up in the show notes of where folks can find you and your work. But I would love to for you to chat or share about any of your offerings or anything Mm -hmm. that's top of mind for you right now well letting Chiron sing is uh not only the name of my podcast uh where I discuss the act of singing your wound or living your um like personal like uh, I don't want to say personal pains, but the the ways in which we have either been told we are wounded, or the ways in which we uh, uh, the way the things about us that we find hard to accept. 
um, because they're not perfect, because they are struggles, because uh, they are they are parts of us that um, will not that we may always struggle with, you know. And so um, I talk about those kinds of um, uh, woundings on the podcast, but in the container, um, it's a year-long digital community space that will invite people each month to reflect on an invitation of um, some kind um, and will come together around the full moon, which is, you know, always illuminating. It's, um, I love the magic of, the, of a full moon because uh, um, most of the time what is illuminated is not necessarily what I want to be illuminated. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's what's necessary for me to sit with. And then um, in addition to that we'll also be using Britton LaRue's Living Astrology mm -hmm. um, book in the book club. So there will be reflections around that. Um, and we'll, I'll also have 12 amazing guest workers, Erin Kelly being one of them oh. in um, March mm -hmm. uh, to speak on or speak through their modalities in um in different ways and the purpose of this container is to provide a communal space where people look at they identify they embrace the woundings in themselves and learn to embrace uh and well it, to make space for the woundings for other people paradox you know mm -hmm being able to hold space for there are always parts of you that will have, that will need to grow. And um, that is beautiful. It's just a, this is a dream, a dream for me because I have, uh, I've always been um, attracted to and desired to create um, communal spaces Um I swear anything that I'm a part of, whether it's a job or an organization, I'm always like, okay, where can I like make a community? You know, like where can I bring people together? And, and like, where can I bring people together that maybe would not necessarily come together? Yeah. Um, I would say that's probably one of my um, magics is bringing people together mm -hmm. that would like, not necessarily seek each other out. And um, then seeing them all grow together through a common thread and seeing um, that we're so much more tethered to one another than we think, you know? Yeah. So um, it's uh, either 99 for the whole year, which is um, very, I, uh, it's very affordable, like mm -hmm. um, a lot of digital containers, then things will be $99 a month, right? Um, which is fine, which is fine. But I'm just saying like, um, it was important for me to, for people to feel like 
they they could come or it's $15 a month mm-hmm. for 12 months. So, um, and then I've got like an early bird, which is 85 and they get a personalized like 30 minute Chiron natal wow. reading. Yeah. That's amazing. So. Um, and when, and it kicks off in March, right? It kicks off, uh, well, um, basically it's February 24th. Oh, okay. The yeah. Initiation weekend. Gotcha. So that's right. Yeah. I wanted to say like, uh, something similar to the, but then I was like, Oh no, maybe it's February. Yeah. I know I'm coming in March. <laughs> no, I mean, it basically, yeah, it yeah. Ba- like it basically begins in March. Mm-hmm. So, um, the doors open, um, January 24th, I'll have, um, some things uploaded for people to contemplate concerning Chiron in their, you know, in their charts. Ah, I'm so excited. I know. I think everyone should check it out because it is such a unique offering. And I've seen the lineup. I've seen the lineup of not only do we have the concept, and I'm going to call it a concept, but the invitation of the Letting Chiron Sing Medicine that you bring, but then the lineup of folks that are coming to share their medicine is incredible and to be able to be in this place of receiving that for such an accessible exchange is it's a gift. It's a gift. Ooh. Everyone check it out. <laughs> check it out y'all. Exactly. Well, Samar, thank you so much for gracing the nature of invisible things with your presence and I am really looking forward to continuing to be in your orbit and share more experiences together. Thank you, Erin, for inviting me. You are amazing and beautiful. Thank you. So y'all get it now, right? You see why. Samar is just one of the people that I adore. I highly encourage you all to check out Letting Chiron Sing, both the podcast and the digital community. The doors open January 24th and the opening weekend or the opening session is February 24th. And it is a fantastic lineup. And I'm not just saying that because I'm participating in this class, in this course, in this community, in this experience, but Truly, you know, Samar is just one of the most loving, magical folk that you could possibly come across in this world. And you owe it to yourself to go check it out. Well, thank you so much. I am sending you all lots and lots of love from all the places in between. Until next time. This has been The Nature of Invisible Things. Produced, hosted by Aaron Kelly, artwork by Aaron Kelly, music by Matthew Jai Dev of Audio Soul Healing.